Hey there, and welcome to Vibrancy with ADHD. Trying to improve our health and wellness with ADHD can feel like an uphill battle. Neurotypical advice tends to be complicated, rigid, and quite honestly, kind of boring. Us ADHDers thrive off of fun and need to be supported by people who just get us and the way our brain works. And most importantly, we need to feel encouraged and inspired instead of shamed. No falling off of any hypothetical wagons here. I'm Chelsea Eithoven and I'm a health and mindset coach who was diagnosed with ADHD at age 30. Stick around and together we can explore, learn, and play our way to a more vibrant lifestyle. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to Vibrancy with ADHD. If we haven't met before, hi, I am Chelsea Eithoven. I am the host of this podcast, obviously, and a wellness and mindset coach for adult women with ADHD. What's so funny is I change what I call myself all the time. (laughs) Wellness coach, mindset coach, health coach, health counselor. (laughs) Changes all the time because truly, I mean, what I do is there's a lot of variety to it, you know? It's a lot of variety. Really, the title doesn't matter to me. What matters is my mission. And my mission is that I am here to help other women with ADHD discover their inner vibrancy, right? And discover themselves and figure out what their special gifts and talents are and to help them kind of gain the energy and clarity and feel really good and the confidence enough to follow through with those things that they're meant to do here on this planet. So that's me. Hi. (laughs) And I want to talk to you guys about my hyperfocus of the week. So I have a couple hyper focuses right now, to be honest. And one I had mentioned in last episode, and I was like, I'm not going to talk to you about it because I feel like I need a whole episode to talk about this thing, right? And <laughs> well, I'm still not going to tell you about that. I'm really hyping up this hyper focus. And you're probably like, what? the heck is it? It's probably anticlimactic, honestly, for you. But for me, it is, I'm just thoroughly obsessed. Anyways, but another hyper focus that I have this week that I am going to tell you about is journaling. And by the way, if you're new around here, we, I talk about the hyper focus of the week and hyper focus is the, I guess you could say quote unquote symptom or part of ADHD where Yes, we have trouble focusing on certain things, but sometimes we fall into hyperfocus. And when we're in hyperfocus, we can just, we fall into the zone of obsession and time and space and everything around us just falls away and we are completely zoned into the thing that we are doing. And this happens when we're really obsessed with something. It's something we're super passionate or interested in, passionate about or interested in. And <laughs> I do a hyperfocus of the week in this podcast. And I just tell you essentially the thing that I have been obsessed with. Because as somebody who loves novelty, as somebody who is like self-proclaimed ever-changing, nothing in my life is really super consistent except for a couple things. (laughs) And so I like to share with you my latest obsession because I just think it's fun to share and I like hearing about other people's as well. So if you ever feel like you have someone, like no one in your life that appreciates hearing you deep dive about whatever your latest hyperfocus is, come find me on Instagram and share it with me. I'm Bright Light Chelsea on Instagram, but I would be so happy to listen to you chat about your hyperfocus in the same way that you sit here and listen to me chat about mine. So anyways, this week, my hyperfocus is journaling. Oh my gosh, I have been so obsessed with journaling this week. So, and it actually has to do with my other hyperfocus kind of, but which I'm like, still teasing out to you. I don't know why, but I'm just, it feels big and so exciting to me. I just don't want to share it yet. I don't know. I'm a weirdo. So I got a new journal and I got one that was like very much in the fall vibes because I've been very into creating fall vibes in my house. And that's been super fun for me, but I got a journal and this new pretty fall vibes journal has helped me re-investigate and re-explore my love for journaling. And 
it's just been so much fun. I haven't been putting a whole lot of pressure on it, like what I'm supposed to journal, if I'm doing it every day, etc., etc. I just feel like in this moment, in this time of my life, it's benefiting me really well and it feels really good and I'm enjoying it. So for now, I'm obsessing with this thing and I won't beat myself up when I inevitably fall out of journaling. But I've been kind of writing about, you know, like I mentioned to you at the beginning of this podcast, I've been writing about like what is my bigger why? What is my mission? What do I want from this business, you know? And because a lot of business coaches and people who talk about, you know, business and et cetera, et cetera, they talk about the money and the numbers, which I think there's nothing wrong with. I think we all deserve to be wildly rich if we want to. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not like turned off by it, but it doesn't motivate me very much. But finding out what does motivate me and what does feel really good has been so fun to explore. And I've been doing that through journaling. And I honestly, I mean, that's part of what I've been doing recently the past few days, but the past couple weeks since I've been doing this, I've just been kind of doing whatever I feel like. If I find a journal prompt that, you know, sparks my interest, if I just feel like brain dumping what's on my mind, if I have a new idea that I want to like, you know, carve out a little bit more. I just start writing and I find for me, getting something on paper is the best way for me to formulate new ideas and really untangle the tangled clutter mess that is in my mind. It's It's actually really crazy and this might become a regular habit. I say that with so many grains of salt you don't even understand. Like, you know, we never know. When we're in a hyper-focus, we don't know if it's gonna stay for long or, you know, just sometimes. But some hyper-focuses do develop into lifelong passions and habits, right? It's just been really good. I found it's given me a lot of clarity. It's given me a lot of confidence. It's given me a lot of more of a sense of purpose. It's helped me reduce overwhelm. It's had a lot of benefits in a short period of time. So maybe if you're somebody who's been wanting to develop the habit of journaling, this might inspire you you to do so. Okay, anyways, let's dive into the hyper focus of the week. I'm so bad at transitions. They're so awkward and weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people with ADHD people it's funny because there's different things that I will think I don't relate to when it comes to ADHD, like people talking about having difficulty with transitions, right? I don't have as much difficulty with physical transitions. Like a lot of people talk about they pull up to their house in their car and they have a hard time getting out of their car and into their house. I don't have as much trouble with that. I do have a lot of trouble with mental transitions. So right now, <laughs> it's really difficult for me to shift from talking about journaling into our topic. So I think that's interesting. Maybe you relate to that as well, you know? And I think that's why I tend to ramble sometimes because that transition is hard and the rambling helps me prolong what I'm talking about. Anywho. So anyways, let's talk about our topic though, because I essentially just trying to not transition. (laughs) So we're going to talk about today four reasons why your habits are not sticking if you have ADHD. So we're going to talk about attainable and sustainable habits when we have ADHD without all of this drama, right? These four reasons are kind of the drama why we can't create habits with ADHD. And it is fully possible to create habits with ADHD. You just might be looking at some things in a way that potentially is not benefiting you. So I'm really excited to share these four things with you. And I'm also going to be talking about a solution to these problems. And spoiler alert, that solution is the part-time habits workshop. So if you're listening to this episode as it drops in October of 2021, then you might be able to attend this part-time habits workshop live which would be so awesome and I would be so excited to see you there. So what is the Part-Time Habits Workshop? It's going to be a live interactive workshop. So you'll be working through things with me and it's on October 30th at 11 a.m. Central Time. So you can transfer that to whatever time zone you're in. I have there's people who listen to this podcast from all over the world, which I think is so, so cool. So essentially what we'll be doing is I'm not going to be giving you a plan for how to implement a habit. I'm going to be taking you through the process of creating your own plan 
to implement a new habit. So that is what I think is like, honestly, the special sauce about this workshop and also my work in general is that I I have figured out some things with all of my different areas. I've realized, I've come to realize through journaling that all of my different areas of expertise that I've kind of written off that I was like, oh, that that has nothing to do with this. For example, like teaching kindergarten, right? I'm like, that has nothing to do with my career now. But it actually has a lot to do with my career now, you know? I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, if I can help 30 kindergartners develop the habit of putting the cap back on their glue stick every time they finish using it and develop the habit of being kind to themselves when they fail and developing the habit of knowing all of our classroom systems and following through with them automatically. I'm like, this is where my ability to teach habit formation really started, you know? And I think that's so freaking cool. So I have learned and now I want to share with you how to not give you my process, but help you create your own process. So I'm super, super excited and It's going to be amazing. You can click the link in the show notes to check out the workshop. But before I just keep rambling about it, you can go ahead and check out the workshop, join it. And if you can't join it live or you're listening to this after the fact, that's totally cool too. You can still sign up for the workshop and just catch the replay. It's going to be the same information. You're still going to be able to go through it the same way. You're going to get the same materials. It's everything. It's just after the fact, not live. So that's totally cool too. Okay, so let's talk about the four reasons why your habits are not sticking if you have ADHD. So I find a lot of people think that the reason ADHD and habits is like cringeworthy and why it's really difficult for us is we think that we just can't because the way our brains are, right? Because we love novelty and newness, right? Or we think we don't have motivation to or whatever, right? But I don't think that's necessarily true. So we're going to talk about it. And if you have listened to my episode that talks about habit plus option, this is like, you know, you can tell that this is kind of a lifelong hyper-focus of mine, right? Figuring out and kind of continuing to unravel the the pieces of what makes habit creation work for ADHDers. This is something I've been pondering for a long time. And why is it that people with ADHD have such a hard time creating habits, right? Something I know for sure is that it's not a lack of willpower or that those of us with ADHD just don't want it bad enough, right? And that's what a lot of other people think, right? That's what a, kind of the neurotypical rhetoric centers around, right? And if you listen to the last episode, that that girl and hustle culture, that is basically the mindset. You got to want it right? And I just don't think that that it works the same way for people with ADHD. So we will want to desperately make a change in our lives and create a lifestyle that's full of habits that help us feel fulfilled and healthy and vibrant and alive. Yet we just can't, right? We do the thing, whatever the habit is, we do it diligently for a period of time of excitement, kind of like where I'm at right now with journaling, right? So we'll do it for maybe a week or so until we fall back into our old ways. And it can feel really, really frustrating. And I know this from firsthand experience, right? I used to do this time and time and time again. And I will say now I really, before I create a habit, I determine what am I okay with just being a hyper-focus, right? Like journaling or something like that. And what do I really want to be consistent, right? So what do I feel like I will benefit from and have more joy in my life by doing this consistently? So for example, exercise. Exercise is something that I don't want to fall off the wagon and I don't want it to be a thing that's a hyper-focus for a week and then I drop off a bit just simply because of the fact that I know how much better my mental health is when I'm exercising regularly, right? So maybe the habit that you want to form is regular exercise, right? So that you can feel less anxious, feel mentally better in your day to day. Maybe you want to start eating fruits and veggies with more meals, right? And you want to do this because you want to improve your digestion. And overall, you feel like the food you're eating is not making you physically feel good. And I'm not talking about like, oh, you feel quote unquote fat because you are eating unhealthy foods, right? Which is quote unquote unhealthy foods, which is how I used to feel, right? I used to actually 
I would make myself feel physically unwell because I'd be having mental distress over the food I ate. So for example, if I ate fast food meal, it wasn't that the food didn't make me feel good in that moment. It was that my mental spinning about it and being like, oh my God, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh my God, the scale's probably gonna go. Oh my gosh, I ruined my plan. You know, all of that would make me feel physically unwell, right? So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about eating more fruits and veggies because it physically gives you more energy. It actually hydrates you. It makes you feel better, you know, that kind of thing, right? Or maybe you want to get into the habit of something more miscellaneous and random. Maybe you want to call your best friend more often because you freaking miss her, you know? That's a perfectly valid habit to want to form in your life, right? If you value connection and your friends, maybe it's journaling, meditating, skincare routine, brushing your teeth, freaking juggling. I don't know. Whatever floats your boat. What habit is it for you that you really want to formulate? I want you to think about that. Whatever first pops to your mind, don't think into this too long. That's what I tend to do. I'm like, let me start a list and I'll write down 47 habits that I really want to form. Don't do that. That's how we get stuck in the spinning and the overwhelm. What was the first habit that came to your mind? All right, good. You're going to keep that one in mind as you're listening to this podcast, okay? And when you're keeping this in mind and thinking about these different things, you might notice different ways that you think about this habit or notice things that you can shift, right? So whatever that habit is, I just, I know it feels so frustrating to feel like you are like missing some secret that other people have to forming habits, right? It just looks so easy for other people. They decide they want to do the thing and they just do the thing. And it's like, what am I missing? Why can't I do that, (laughs) right? And I think there might be a few reasons why you can't do that or your habits aren't sticking if you have ADHD. And caveat, these things do apply to people without ADHD as well. That's the kind of cool thing about advice for people with ADHD is it also works for other people too. So anyone else who relates to this struggle could find value in this podcast as well. And I just think that's so funny because people will get really up in arms when they see things that I post on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. They'll be like, this isn't just for ADHDers. This this is for everybody. And I'm like, well, I know it can totally work for everybody. But like specifically, ADHDers really struggle with this stuff. So that's why I talk to ADHDers because they're my people. Anyways, okay, let's look at it. Let's start with reason number one, your habits might not be sticking for you. Number one, you don't know what motivates you. So I posted three out of four of these reasons on Instagram, and this was the most, the one that most people related to. They messaged me after and said, gosh, you just made me realize I don't know what motivates me. Holy crap. Like, how have I gone my entire life without knowing what motivates me? And the thing is, if you think about it, it really makes sense why we don't know what motivates us, right? We are taught exactly like I said before, that we should just do the thing, right? It doesn't, we don't need motivation. We need dedication and we don't have to want to do the thing to do the thing. While that is true, I think thinking about it in this way is really putting us at a disadvantage and it's really a scarcity mindset. Many of us these days, and I'm not saying all of us, and I want to acknowledge that, of course, I come from a place of privilege, right? I never want to ignore that. But in comparison to our ancestors, and even just humans several generations ago, we have a lot more choice in our life, right? Of what our career will be, how we live our life, how things look for us, right? And so when like maybe your parents or your grandparents or other people in your family will say to you like, you don't need motivation, you just have to do the thing. That's because that was their truth. Like they didn't have the option to be motivated or figure out what motivates them. They just had to do a lot of things, right? It was like, I need to take care of my family and this is the only option available to me right now. So this is what I'm going to do, right? Or if we go back even farther when things were about survival, right? Like in the caveman days, it's like there was no options. You just did what you had to do and that was it, right? And a lot of us are just used to being motivated from this harsh kind of scarcity mindset viewpoint. But we are lucky to be among some of the first generations that are able to actually have a lot more freedom of choice and do things in a way that we want to do them and in a way that feels good versus just being like, well, you have to do it, so just do it, (laughs) you know? A lot of us think we need fear tactics and punishment to follow through with our habits, right? We think that the way to motivate ourselves is to set up punishment for if we fail. Like, 
If you think about the different systems, our justice system in the United States, for example, the word justice used very loosely, but (laughs) we focus on punishment, right? You follow the law because if you don't follow the law, you'll get in trouble. (laughs) So this is how we try to follow through with our habits with ourselves, right? We're like, well, I'll just set up a punishment for myself. Or if I don't follow through with this habit or this diet or whatever, then I won't look how I want at this person's wedding or whatever, right? We look at things that way and think about the consequences and the punishment. We think that we need to get an accountability buddy or somebody that will like slap us on the wrist when we're quote unquote bad, right? And we convince ourselves that all of our guilt and shame when we fail is really just helping us be motivated to be better in the future right? And to be honest with you, this can work, right? And But this is just one option. This is just one way to motivate yourself. And honestly, I think this one works in the very short term. It doesn't work super well for things that we are trying to cultivate to bring more joy in our life, right? Because it's actually like creating a lot of stress and fatigue and fear in the meantime, right? So I don't think that that's like very beneficial. And, you know, Gretchen Rubin also has a really great book about figuring out your motivation style. It's called The Four Tendencies. This was my first introduction to this concept that like we can understand what motivates us and look at this in a different way. And it's kind of been something I've been exploring and playing with ever since. So here's how I learned what motivates me, okay? Outside of that fear and shame and guilt and all the, and punishment, right? Because those things do motivate me because I am a human and I want to avoid negative consequences. But if I want to create motivation for myself, I don't have to do it that way. So here's how I learned. Anyways, I looked at my recent purchases, okay? And I tried to determine what was the difference between what I ended up buying and what I didn't end up buying because I have a lot of things that I really, really want to buy. That is like my dopamine hit. Like I love looking at new things. I like looking at things on Amazon. I like following people on Instagram that talk about what they buy. I like walking around stores and looking at every single item that they have. I like things. Call me materialistic, whatever, don't care. So what? but what's the difference between the things that I actually, I look at and I'm like, ooh, I love that, I want that, ooh, and the things that I buy, right? Because that will tell me what motivates me into action, right? And I notice something. The difference is I am motivated to purchase when something solves a problem for me. And I started looking and I kind of zoomed out and I realized that this is true. The rest of my life followed suit. When I took action on something, it's because it solved a problem for me. And I get really, really, really excited about solving a problem that motivates the heck out of me. So like my purchases, I'm going to Charleston this weekend. Today, as I'm recording this, it's a Thursday. I leave on Saturday. I'm super excited. I had like a bunch of things I wanted to get for Charleston, right? Like I was like, oh, I could get some new shoes. I could get a new outfit, maybe like a blazer, you know, all these things. What did I actually end up buying for Charleston was earplugs and a strapless bra. (laughs) And why did I buy those things is because they solved two problems that I have. My mom snores and my husband snores too. And I can, you know, roll over and elbow him. I'm going to Charleston with my mom, by the way. And I can't roll over in the bed because I'm not gonna be sleeping in the bed with my mom. And I wouldn't elbow my mom. I mean, I could, I just, I wouldn't because my husband is nicer than my mom when it comes to that kind of thing. Or maybe I'm just, I don't know. Anyways, I wouldn't elbow my mom (laughs) because she would not be happy about that. But now I feel bad that I elbow my husband. But you guys, I need sleep. Okay, anyways, I got these earplugs because they solve that problem and they're more comfortable than regular earplugs and because I have regular earplugs, but I can't sleep with them, you know? So it solves that problem for me. And the strapless bra solves the problem that I don't currently have a strapless bra that fits me well. So therefore, a lot of the outfits I picked out to bring, like I wouldn't be able to wear without the strapless bra. So once I realized that, I was like, wow, yeah, everything I do is kind of motivated by problem solving. Whenever I organize my space, I do it because I want to solve a problem, right? Whenever I create a new business venture, it's because I want to solve a problem for other people, right? Like this part-time habits workshop. I'm very motivated by problem solving. And so I want to like share with you that this does take some time. This takes some time, but this is like how I can now, when I want to create a new habit, say to myself, all right, what do I want to create? Okay. How can I be motivated by this being how is this solving a problem for me? And looking at it through that lens. 
And it might be different for you, what kind of motivates you, right, from that positive end. But did you know that you can actually shift from being motivated by fear and punishment, etc., to being motivated by joy and reward and desire and figuring out and pinpointing what exactly that is for you, right? Like the problem solving is for me. This is actually a major key to sticking to habits in the long term, right? So, and this is why a lot of people will say, find your why, find your why, you know, but sometimes finding the why isn't what motivates people. That end result, right? And being like, oh, I'm going to feel better and I'm going to lose weight, whatever it is that you want to do. Sometimes that doesn't motivate people. That doesn't motivate me, but solving a problem does. So that is reason number one, that you might be struggling and your habits aren't sticking long-term. You don't know what motivates you. Number two, you have a rigid view of what a habit is. So a lot of people with ADHD, I've realized recently, hate the word habit. (laughs) And honestly, for good reason, because we have really rigid views of what habits are and how to form them. So for example, we believe the myth that it takes 21 days to form a habit. Did you know, by the way, that this is a myth? (laughs) Or just like, I guess, folklore, we could say. So here's where this idea came from, because I think this is so interesting and funny that now we have taken it as like ultimate truth, even though it came from the most obscure place. So the idea that it takes 21 days to form a habit is tossed around all the time, but it originated from Dr. Maxwell Maltz's 1960 book. 1960, Psycho-Cybernetics. I don't even know what this book is about, y'all, but this is where this idea came from. And here's the quote that led to this belief just being widely believed in the mainstream. Here's the quote, ready? Quote, it takes a minimum of 21 days for an old mental image to dissolve and a new one to gel, unquote. Did you hear that? He said a minimum. (laughs) He didn't even say it takes 21 days to form a habit. He didn't say the word habit in that sentence. He didn't say anything like that. Yet we all have this belief. It's so interesting, isn't it? By the way, this guy, it was 1960, first of all. Are we still following a lot of beliefs from 1960? Not really, you know? So I think we can let this one go. This guy was a plastic surgeon, right? And I'm not saying that he was wrong or he was bad or anything like that. I just think... He got taken out of context, you know? It's just, it's just not the case. It doesn't take 21 days. In reality, it varies widely because we are all unique individual snowflakes, as I like to say sometimes. We're all unique and different. It's gonna depend on the way we try to implement the habit, etc. But another thing about, like, that's just one piece of having a rigid view of what a habit is, right? But like a lot of us think a habit is doing the same thing at the same time in the same way every single day. This concept actually like literally makes me want to die. For real. I want to die. If this was my life, I don't I don't want it. No thanks. I don't want it. And <laughs> that's just not going to happen for me because I value novelty, right? And newness and excitement that gives me dopamine. Another thing is we think if we break our habit streak, quote unquote, and miss a day that we have to start over and the rest didn't count right? And we can really thank rigid programs like Whole30 and 75 Hard for this one. Yay. Thanks so much, guys. Whole30 is the one that really got me because if you eat a crumb of something that is not Whole30 approved, you have to start over. And you know, the Whole30, I also think is something that's got taken out of context because one of the purposes of the Whole30, I mean, no doubt one of the purposes is like trying to be more pure and holier than that with your food than everybody else. But another purpose is to find what you're sensitive to. So in the name of food sensitivities, that makes sense. But people take it out of context and then like we feel like that's what, like what forming a habit is, right? And 75 hard too. If you mess up or don't follow through with one of the things in 75 hard, you're supposed to start from the very beginning and you start over. And that makes us feel like when we mess up one time, our progress is undone and it feels freaking terrible. And I was in this mindset for so long, right? And I give you permission right now to let this go right? And maybe even if you need to look at the word habits differently and like switch it to something more like practices, right? Practices you have in your life that are not as rigid. I give you permission to do that because I don't think we have to do something every single day in order for it to benefit us. It's possible to have habits that tremendously benefit your life that are both flexible and enjoyable. Honestly, I hardly do any of my habits every single day, to be honest. 
I'm just being real with you. And I'm a literal like wellness coach that teaches how to form habits, right? So you would think that my life is like super structured. If you just heard that title, you might think that I do. I wake up every morning. I do my morning routine. I drink my green juice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just not true because I found that that's not what I need to be well. (laughs) I hardly do any of my habits every day and not to brag, but honestly, a little bit to brag because I think people with ADHD need to brag a little bit more than we do. And I'm working on this to be an example for you (laughs) because we don't need to be embarrassed of the things we're good at. But I am thriving more physically and mentally than I ever was when I was stuck in that old rigid mindset of my habits have to be the same every single day right? And this is honestly why I named that the habit workshop part-time habits is because I believe, and what I like to do for myself is the minimum effective dose of my habits to feel the way I desire to feel. So versus trying to do my habits with a, you know, to perfection, just for perfection's sake. I decide how I want to feel and what I want to get out of that habit. And I I do the minimum effective dose. And when I start noticing, like, let's say I fell off the wagon, quote unquote, and I'm like not doing the thing anymore, I don't get beat myself up for that. If I start noticing that, like, I'm no longer receiving the benefit, you know? So for example, like I said, journaling really helps me clear my mind and not feel as overwhelmed and feel more creative and more clarity essentially. If I notice, if I fall off my journaling habit, when I start to notice the lack of clarity, then I'll bring back in the least, the minimum effective dose of journaling to get back to that place of clarity. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I'm not ruled by my habits. I want to feel a certain way and I utilize habits as a tool to feel that way. So that is reason number two that you're having a hard time sticking to your habits is maybe you have a rigid view of what a habit is is and maybe you would benefit from dropping that view of it and finding something a little bit more flexible. Number three, you are solving the wrong problem. This is reason number three why your habits aren't sticking. You're solving the wrong problem. So I see this a lot. (laughs) We try to solve what we think is the problem and then we don't see any change, right? Because we missed the mark. So I'm gonna give you a little metaphor here first. Metaphor or what is it? Analogy? I always see every time and I forget to look it up. What is it? I don't know. Grammar. I didn't pay attention to grammar because I was writing my best friend notes and we would hide them and tape them to the underneath of the desk because we both sat in the same desk in different time periods. So like I was like first period and she was like seventh period or whatever. And we would tape notes. So I didn't pay attention to grammar. Also, grammar is boring to me. Anyways, so here's my analogy or metaphor or whatever it is. Is that even grammar? That's not even grammar, you guys. What is that? Like English? I don't know. I don't know. I am an expert in habits, not whatever that is. English, grammar, all the things. Okay, back to the point. We got away from it. So when you're solving the wrong problem, this is what it feels like. It feels like your back was itching, right? So say your back is itchy and you can't reach it. And you ask your friend or your partner or whoever, your mom, to scratch your back. And they say, sure. And they scratch your ankle, right? And you're like, okay, that's nice. But like, my back is still itchy. I still have the problem that I wanted to solve. It's like, you did something cool there, but like, it's not what I needed, you know? (laughs) So I see a lot of people doing this when they're trying to form habits, right? So here's an example in real life so that you can get a real picture of what this looks like in the terms of habit formation. Say you want to start exercising more. That's the habit you want to cultivate. You feel like, like on the surface, you feel like the problem is you don't have enough time, right? A lot of us will come up with these like kind of surface level reasons why we're not doing the things we want to do, right? And we don't realize that they're surface level until we try them and they don't work. So I don't want to, I don't want you to feel like, well, I don't know what my real problem is and get overwhelmed by that. The only way you know is by starting the habit and trying and doing what will be the next reason, which I'll, you'll find out in a second. So anyways, you want to start exercising more. You feel like the problem is you don't have enough time. So you set your alarm for an hour earlier every day to make the time, right? But every morning when your alarm goes off, you freaking dread it and you find an excuse not to go. And this is because you don't realize that your problem isn't time, right? You likely have more than enough time in your day to exercise, especially because we don't need an hour of exercise, right? That might be the problem is that you're you're looking at it too rigidly, like it has to be an hour to count. You know, a lot of my times when I exercise or move, it's like a 10 minute thing. 
I'm not even kidding you. I rarely do longer than a 20 minute workout, especially these days since I had surgery and can't use my right hand for 12 weeks. But anyways, the problem's not time. It maybe the problem is that you hate the type of exercise you do. So you go to CrossFit or you go to the gym and have a weightlifting program you try to do, or you do cardio because you're not really sure what else to do. You just go and walk on the treadmill, right? If you hate the type of exercise you do, the problem isn't free time. It's it's that you dread it, right? It's you dread it. And therefore, whenever you are supposed to do the thing, you really don't want to do the thing and you find a reason not to do it, right? So the problem's not the time, it's the dread. You've got to solve for that problem. And if you start solving for that problem and maybe switching it up and finding something you're excited, intrigued, interested in, or that's new and fun and whatever motivates you, right? then you'll be able to solve that the correct problem and find a real solution that works, right? Also, I see this a lot and I I see a lot of people simply think the problem is just them and that's it, that their lack of discipline or lack of willpower is the problem. Okay, not in my world, Chica. If that's how you feel right now and you feel like you just spend your entire life trying to work harder and, you know, be better and to no avail you've got to try and you got to come to this workshop, okay? You've got to come to this workshop. So that is reason number three. You're solving the wrong problem, right? And when you find the right problem, things flow a lot more naturally. And finding the right problem is something that I give you a process for and I teach you how to do and we will work through together in this live workshop on October 30th, the part-time habits workshop. Okay, reason number four that your habits are not sticking if you have ADHD. You don't take time to reflect. So this one is big, okay? And this is like a bonus one. I've been, I posted like a TikTok and whatnot with the first three and I haven't shared this one yet anywhere. So you guys are getting, it's almost like a bonus one. So I used to be just in such a hurry to move on with habits, right? Like, okay, that didn't work. I'm just gonna, again, try again harder, right? And I didn't ever wanna reflect I think this is also because, have you heard of the idea that like people with ADHD, we have a really hard time finishing the last 10%. We have so much that we have left undone that because we just, we get bored with it. And by the last 10% of a project or a thing, we're just like, oh, I'm moving on to the next thing. Whoops, sorry, didn't mean to say the F word. Anyways, I was spinning in circles with my habits because I didn't take the time to reflect because that's that last 10%, right? So now I try and reflect. (laughs) I'm not going to say I do anything with 100% accuracy because I totally don't, but I try and make the time to reflect. And when I do, I make, I find that it makes a big difference because I can learn from what just happened. So let me give you an example. Um, And I really love giving examples from my business and work life because this is where I'm still working on forming habits. Everything that I've learned when it comes to wellness habits and everything that I've implemented, I went through that process for years but it was a while ago. So I feel like sometimes I forget what that felt like in the moment. And I'm reminded via these examples of when I'm trying to form habits in my work life, right? So as I'm going through this process of creating work habits that benefit me, creating structures, you know, that are not out of force and, you know, rigidity, but like out of desire and motivation, etc. right? I am remembering that this is probably, this might be what you're working through with your wellness habits, like I was a couple years ago. So Something that I'm struggling with and that I have struggled with for a very long time in true transparency is any kind of messaging. So texting, DMs, etc. As somebody who, you know, has a career that is like in the public eye, I'm not saying like I'm some like celebrity, but I have a podcast and you guys are can choose to listen to it. I put stuff out there. I talk about my life and my beliefs and my teachings on the internet. So anyone can message me, you know, and a lot of people do. And I, I love that. I really do. I love connecting with people. I think it's so fun, but it's also very difficult for me. It's something I have struggled with for a really long time and that I I tend to dread. Even though in the long run, I want to connect with people. I want to answer my own messages. I could have had my assistant take over my messages, but I don't want to because I want to be the one to do it, right? That's important to me to maintain that. But when the time comes... I have a really hard time doing it. I feel just dread and overwhelmed, you know? And I I feel like 
I was not doing any of the things in this podcast that I'm talking about with this particular habit. And when I realized that was when I started shifting things around and applying some of these concepts and the concepts that I teach in the part-time habits workshop to my texting habit and DM habit, right? And trying to create a consistent situation where I do this regularly so it doesn't get to the point where I have 99 messages in my message requests and like who God knows how many in the other message section on Instagram and all these texts and then like family members are getting annoyed because I haven't responded, etc. So each week previously, I was just trying to force myself into getting more consistent, but I was not taking the time to reflect because remember, we're on number four, which is you don't take the time to reflect, which is why habits aren't sticking. Just reminding you because I've been like going down some wormholes. It's like, all right. So I was just trying to do the same thing over and over again and continuing to fail. So of course, at one point I had this aha moment and I was like, hello, you're not reflecting. So I did. I sat down and said, I asked myself a couple questions. What about this habit is working for me? Number one, what about this habit is not working for me? Number two. And number three, how can I shift this to work better for me? Three questions, what's working, what's not working, and how can I shift this to work better for me? That's it, very simple, nothing complex, reflection. And if you do this, when you do this with a habit of yours, don't skip the first one. Your brain is going to wanna say, nothing is working. That is not true, because guess what? My brain wanted to say that when I asked myself this question about texting and DMs. Like, nothing is working because I suck at it, I'm so bad at it, I never respond, it's not, I'm, I'm not good at it, I'm skipping that question. My brain wanted to do that, and I said, no brain, Think about it. What's working? Something is working. Find it. (laughs) And what was working for me was, you know, was the fact that conversations with people that I felt comfortable with were going really well. Like those felt easy. Like I could be myself and not just people that I know in real life, people that I've met like via them messaging me and we've started conversations and I've realized that like, hey, this person really loves me for who I am and I can be totally unfiltered and uncensored and like scatterbrained and weird and like call them a bitch. I say this because that's something I censor myself with a lot. Like I always think it's for some reason, it's part of my humor to think that that's funny. Like... Some people find it very disrespectful, I'm sure. But like, I tend to censor myself, right? And I'm working on not doing that. Like, I'll be like, bitch, oh my God, can you believe this? You know, and I'm not calling them a bitch. It's just, I don't know. Anyways, people that I didn't feel I had to censor that kind of stuff with, conversations were going really well. And I was motivated to open their messages and talk to them. So that was going well. You got to take a moment here to give yourself a crumb of credit. I know it's hard because we tend to look at the negative, but this is important to remember that not everything you're doing is quote unquote bad. In fact, nothing is bad. It's just about getting to know what works for you and what doesn't. And this question can also help you determine what motivates you, right? So what wasn't working about my DM habit? (laughs) I thought about it and two things were not working for me. How I was trying to do it, number one, and number two, my thoughts about it. So I was trying to batch my DMs because that way I thought I had to think about them less. I was like, okay, I'll just do like an hour, sit down and do an hour of DMs a week, right? Or like, which is still not even near enough. But I was like, then I don't have to think about it the other days, et cetera, et cetera. Or I would sit down and try to do 30 to 45 minutes of DMs at a time. Or I would say, I'm starting DMs and I'm not stopping until I finish, right? That was my strategy. That wasn't working for me because it just doesn't work for me. I would open them. I would get so overwhelmed. Any message that would take a long time to like think of, curate an answer, you know, I would just get really overwhelmed at the sheer amount of messages. And that meant that I was answering from a place of like being pressured and trying to get as many done as possible and trying to get to inbox zero. That was what I was trying to be motivated by. And that didn't work for me very well because that's not enough of a reward for me to feel like motivated by it. Cause I'm like, oh my God, they're just gonna message me back and I'm just gonna have to like do it again, right? So the overwhelm, the system wasn't working and batching wasn't working. So I decided, what if I try something different? The problem is overwhelm. What if I decided to do three times a day, do DMs, for 10 minutes max. Set a timer for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, that's it. I'm done, right? So that is what I've been doing. And you guys, it's working so well. And I am enjoying DMs again. And I'm actually moving through DMs much quicker and it feels so much better. It's incredible. So that was one thing. And then I also did some thought work because I realized I had some people pleasing going on. Like that was why I felt so pressured was because I was trying to curate these perfect responses 
versus just being me and letting people decide if they like me for me or not, right? And I was trying to people please. That's the story, pure and plain and simple. So I did some thought work on that. But I never would have come to any of these conclusions if I continued not reflecting, right? And taking just one minute, literally one minute to ask myself those three questions. Sometimes your brain will chew on it for a while and think there's not an answer. But if you sit there for, you know, 30 seconds and just allow yourself to not have the answer, something will come up right? So essentially how this works is you have your habit that's not working. You reflect on what's working, what's not working, etc. So you create a new plan from that. You execute it and then you reflect again and you figure out what you can tweak again to work and if it worked or if it didn't, you know, because we can't know if something will work until we execute it. And you kind of continue that cycle. Then you change it as necessary and execute and reflect again, right? And this process, I kind of teach you how to do this and break that up in the workshop. So those are the four reasons why your habits might not be sticking if you have ADHD and I'll review them. So number one, you don't know what motivates you. Number two, you have a rigid view of what a habit is and it's like unattainable, right? Number three, you're solving the wrong problem. And number four, you don't take time to reflect. Now, the good news is you don't have to subscribe to this way of creating habits anymore, especially if it's not serving you. So what would it feel like for you if you hardly had to try to maintain your habits at all? You didn't have to force it. It was just like easy, right? Habits, you did your habits just because you loved them and they brought you joy and they were an automatic part of your life. Like, Something you didn't have to think about or force, kind of the way that you listen to podcasts or scroll social media or something like that. You don't maybe think about those things or try to force yourself into doing them. You just do them because they're a part of your life. You enjoy them. They bring you dopamine and happiness, right? What if a habit, that habit that you thought about at the beginning of this episode was like that? Is that like literally impossible to imagine for you? If so, then I think that you need to come to the part-time habits workshop. So like I said, in this live interactive workshop, I'm going to teach you my four-step process for creating habits in an attainable, ADHD-friendly way. And it is this week, if you're listening live, like I said, in October of 2021, it is this week, this Saturday, October 30th at 11 a.m., Central. And if you're like me and you're motivated by problem solving, this workshop will solve all four of these problems for you, right? All of these problems with habit formation, this workshop will help you solve them. So, and help you get into action with your habits. So, here's what you'll walk away with after the workshop. So, you'll get your customized four step blueprint to creating a habit in one month. P.S. caveat, it's the start of the habit creation process, right? But for the most part, after a month, if you use this process and you try this, then you'll have a really good base. And after a month, you'll be able to move on to another habit. Hello, novelty and excitement, etc. right? And you kind of stack these habits over time until you look back and realize like, dang, my lifestyle is like popping. This is exactly what I want for my life. How did I create this in such an effortless and joyful manner? (laughs) So, and I will say to this, like when I say four-step blueprint, I know you're probably thinking I'm going to give you a plan and you follow that plan, right? But that is not what this is. This is a workshop where you are working through creating your own plan. And I'm guiding you through the process of creating your own plan. I'm not telling you what works for me. I'm helping you figure out what works for you. So you'll walk away with that blueprint, which is a repeatable thing. So you can use that blueprint over and over and over again for different habits, right? It works every time if you you know, if it works for you. So um, that didn't sense, didn't make sense. Anyways, you'll also walk away with a sense of excitement instead of dread to start your new habit. And you will walk away with the knowledge of how to motivate yourself, even with ADHD, from those positive places we talked about. So desire and joy and excitement and reward, right? Not fear and punishment. You will have all of your questions about habit formation and ADHD years answered because there will be a Q&A section at the end of it. You can ask me anything you're curious about in this topic or just get really individualized help 
doing this, right? You'll also have a renewed sense of confidence in your ability to follow through with the actions that you want to do and the habits that you desire to create. I think a lot of us with ADHD can doubt ourselves and feel like we don't trust ourselves to follow through with the things we want to follow through with. This workshop will help remind you that you are trustworthy. You can follow through with what you want to do. And It's possible for you. And I believe that for you. And I want to help you believe that for you. And last thing you'll walk away with, you'll have lifetime access to the replay of this workshop, which means you can watch it again if you want, and the materials. So you will get worksheets that step-by-step walk you through this process. And when you're doing it on your own, P.S., this takes like a, the workshop will be about an hour plus Q&A, but when you're doing this on your own, it'll take about 10 minutes, right? Once you know the concepts, it'll actually take 10 minutes max to go through and plan a new habit and have your whole plan for a month. So it's like easy peasy. It's quick. It's not like this long, dramatic drawn out thing where I'm going to have you be journaling every day for 12 hours, you know, it's simple because we have ADHD, right? So that is the workshop and you get all of this for only 22 US dollars. I wanted to make sure this was super accessible, especially for all the people. I get a lot of people that want to join the habit edit, but like maybe financially it might not be the best right now, or they're just got to think about it more. I totally understand this. I mull over decisions for a long time, but this way you can kind of dip your toe in, see what my teachings are all about in a workshop style situation versus just the stuff I put out for free. And you can just dip your toe in and get this and this in itself will like provide you so much value, right? So it's like a lower price point option for people who want to try the habit edit, but like maybe aren't ready to financially commit yet. So like I said, link is in the show notes to sign up for the workshop. It's right there. It's not a big elaborate thing. It's just like you click and it tells you a couple things about it and you sign up, you know, because some of those long sales pages intimidate me when it's like you get to scroll and read for 12 hours to know what you're joining. I just told you what you're joining. It's easy as that. All you got to do is show up on the Zoom call. Camera will not be on for you. So don't worry. You don't even have to like look ready or anything (laughs) and follow through with and like, you know, listen and have pen and paper to do the stuff yourself. Because like I said, it is interactive and it's going to be so much fun. We're going to have so much fun together. And I can't wait to like hear the different habits that you guys are going to form from this. I can't wait to hear how it goes as you move through the process. I just know this is going to provide so much value to so many people and I can't wait. Like I said, I'm motivated by problem solving and I'm getting so hyped right now thinking about helping you solve this problem. P.S. If you can't make it live or you're listening to this after October 30th, you can still participate too. You just join and you'll be able to get access to the replay, right? So you can watch it on your own time. You can pause it, etc., etc. But if you're listening to this before October 30th and you're thinking about that because you can't attend live, I would go ahead and purchase now because like I said, right now it's $22 after October 30th it's going to, the price will go up. So if you can't make it live, but you know you want this, go ahead and purchase it now so that you don't have to pay the higher price. All right, link the shout outs to sign up. I can't wait to see you there. This is gonna revolutionize your life and habits. I hope you guys have the best freaking day and I will see you at the workshop on Saturday. Bye guys.